Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, the April Uncharted Conference is sold out. You can still head over to Uncharted Vet if you want and get signed up for the online membership. Highly recommend you'll be able to watch the live stream from the conference so you get to see the main stage talks. We will be busting out the workshops in video format. We'll be doing our watch parties. We're going to have those lined up uh, to start rolling like two weeks after the conference. We will be showing them uh, individually and the speakers will be there to answer your questions in the comments. And so it's going to be super interactive replay session. We are going to have a a lot of awesome stuff coming up in the community. If you've been holding off, if you were like, I just couldn't make the trip, don't miss the conference. You can still get the whole flipping conference pretty much online. So, unchartedvet.com, become a member, check it out. Um, and if you're like, Andy, I really messed up, I need to be there, you can get on our wait list if you want. You can email it's admin, A D M I N, at unchartedvet.com. That's admin at unchartedvet.com and say, please, please, please put me on the wait list. If someone can't make it to the conference, I would love to jump in and take their spot. So we are doing that as well. If you have not gotten our 25 tips, hacks, and tricks for appreciating your staff, it's totally free. It's a nice little resource. All you got to do is text. 44222. That's 44222. Send a text message to that number and include the word thanks team. All one word T H A N K S T E A M. And we will shoot you a copy of this little resource. It is fun and awesome, and you should have it. Your team will be happy that you do. With that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine goss. <laughs> oh my goodness. How's it going, Andy? It's good. It is good. It's been uh, some wild times around here. Uh, we're recording and Western Vet Conference just wrapped up uh, like a week ago from when we were recording and we... Uh, just sold out the Uncharted conference for April. Woo-hoo! I know. Yay! So it is sold That's out for cool. April. It is also sold out for June. And uh, we've got one more conference up our sleeve for the last part of the year. And uh, it's it's not open for registration yet. So we are uh, we're living the good life right now. So exciting. Yeah. I can't. I cannot wait for April. I'm very excited. That's very great. excited. Cool, cool. It is. How are things with you? Uh, things are good. You know, I I came back from uh, WBC with the plague. So yeah. I apologize in advance to everyone for the voice that sounds like I smoke six packs a day. Um, I've been coughing nonstop for a week. But uh, I feel like I'm finally coming out the other end of it. Um, and things are crazy busy because of course, you know, you do your best to plan, um, to be gone in the clinic. Right. And then you come back and you're sick and then we're piled up even more. And so now I feel like I'm never going to catch up and dig out from the hole. Um, and so in that way, I definitely feel empathy with, uh, the mail that we got for today to talk oh, about yeah. because, um, this mailbag piece. Um, I I empathize very much. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah, you were like, "This is what we're talking about." Now, I got to tell you, I was sweating that goodbye hug I got from you for about forty eight hours. Like, there's nothing like giving somebody a big hug, and then like four hours later, you get a, a message for them that says, "Hey, I just started sweating, and and like I think I'm gonna faint." And you go, "Oh, great!" Um, so I, I lysol myself. I felt so guilty and I did. I'm that kind of person where, uh, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big hugger and I, I love to give hugs. I, I will ask and give fist bumps or elbow bumps if people are not huggers, but, um, I felt so bad. And so I, I actually sent text messages to you and to Melanie and to some of our (laughs) other friends that I saw at WBC and I'm like, I am so sorry, but I can feel the, the, like coming. <laughs> I um 
I was in the airport and I was just hand sanitizing my face and neck uh, from <laughs> just trying to protect Stop myself it. from the plague. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. Well, lay this thing down. Let, what are we talking about? Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about this one. So, um, we got some we got some uh, mail, and this one hit home on so many levels for me. Um, we got a piece of mail from a practice manager who um, was asking for for help. She said, "You know, I am um, I am pregnant, um, and I am due to go out on maternity leave." And I'm super, super stressed out because although I have been planning for, I had a plan for who was going to do what in the clinic, um, I lost a few people on my team right before I was due to go out on leave. And so my focus shifted from finishing up um, the planning and the projects and the delegation to trying to find people to hire and replace the people that we lost. And then I went into early labor. And so now I've had to go out on leave unexpectedly before I was planning to go out. Um, And so they're stressing out and wanting to know, how do you, how do you deal with it? You're feeling the pressure of my team is short. We need to hire people. I'm the HR person. I just had a baby, but I feel like I should be in the clinic and be solving this problem for them. What do I do? Yeah. So super common, um, super, super common in our, in our profession. So, um, yeah, what's, what's the, so let's, let's lay out the different parties here and let's talk about the dangers. Okay. So we're talking about somebody who's going to need to be out. What is the danger in this scenario? If you are the practice manager or the person who is going out on maternity? Um, I think the biggest danger for me is missing out on time that you will never get back with your family. Mm -hmm. And that's like purely on a personal level. For me, when I looked at this, I was like, okay, that's, that's the biggest thing. But from a work perspective, I know as a, as a manager, I will admit I'm a little bit of a control freak. And so, um, you know, it's scary to think about there being this huge problem that is the kind of thing that your team relies on you to solve and saying to everyone, here, you deal with it like that, that unknown is very scary. Yeah. So there's this, there's this pinch point of, I want to have this time with my new baby, with my family that I'm never going to get back. Right. And if I miss that, I could very well end up feeling resentful towards my job and a resentment that doesn't go away that I remember forever. And so there yeah. is that resentment at the same time. A lot of our listeners are perfectionists and it really bothers them. The idea that I'm going to be away and the people who are there are not going to do it right. Or they're not going to yeah. do it the way that it's supposed to be done. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to do it right. And like, <laughs> those, those people, I love them. My wife is one of them. Um, Jamie Holmes is one of them. Um, <laughs> that the idea of people not doing it correctly drives, like they lay in bed at night going, they're not going to do it right when I'm not there. Huh? Um, uh-huh. so there's a perfectionist. There's also the, um, the hero who's like, they need me. And this is more the Stephanie Goss personality of, I, you know, like I love them and I, need to be there for them and I need to rescue them. And that's the hero personality and that's you stuff. Um, and, uh, let's see if there's any more, there's the perfectionist, there's the hero and there's the team player. And the team player is the one who, in this case, mistakenly says, I can't let the team down. Right? Like, yes, I'm going to pop this baby out, but that doesn't mean I'm letting the team down. And you go, what? But that's, that's how they feel because this is a unique circumstance yeah. in life. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like anything yeah. else most of us have gone through. So those are the personalities that I see that really struggle is we've got a balance on one side. This only happens with this baby one time. You know, like you only get to be with this baby one time uh, versus perfectionism, heroism, and team player. And those three personalities on the other side, I think that those can all cause conflict. And then the external conflict is a team or a boss that doesn't respect this time or doesn't understand this time or that is needy 
You know what I mean? And that crosses those boundaries and they apply external pressure to the manager or the person who's out on, on maternity. Right. And so those are the, those are the sort of the, the, the four big conflicts against wanting to be home. Um, three of them are internal and one potentially really big one is external, which is the manager or your boss or even people on your staff. And that's another thing that causes a lot of stress is not your boss going, Hey, I need you to come in or, Hey, I know you're on maternity, but I need this. It's your support staff who have always come to you or your, or your friends who were like, Hey, how's everything going at home? You having a good time? Doing the mom stuff sounds super great. Love your pictures on Instagram. Listen, where are the Q-tips? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I I do. I know exactly. I know exactly that text or that Slack message or that phone call. <laughs> Usually in my clinic, it's about the toilet paper. Like. Hey, we're out of toilet paper. How does that magically reappear? Because it just seems to magically reappear when we need it. And oh, by the way, we have none. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Motherhood looks magical. Do we have more rabies tags? <laughs> oh, my God. Every Everybody who is listening right now who is a manager, they're, they're dying a little inside because... They feel this so hard. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the vets too. It's the vets too. It's like love this wonderful time for your family. Enjoy me- every minute. Do you remember Scrappy Watson? You thought he had Cushing's disease. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it looks true. Like. It's totally true. Okay, so so how do uh, how do we avoid the danger? If we know what the dangers are, well, how do we avoid the dangers? Well, let's talk about the other play. So the so the other player is the people who are left at the practice, right? Yeah. So, so let, let's be honest, right? Um, you have especially if you have a rock star. If you are wonderful at your job, and you go away for twelve weeks, like let's not kid ourselves. There is impact to the people on the team who suddenly are missing a rock star or missing someone who has been at the center of everything or this information hub or who knows all the stuff. Like that's not a, that's not nothing to them. Right. It would be disrespectful to you. If I acted like, you know, they don't need you at all. They, they won't have any questions yet. They will miss you and they will have questions. You know what I mean? Um, and there will be things that they will struggle with. And so the danger for them is that they are completely unprepared for what happens yeah. when you're gone. And then they're standing around with no toilet paper for 12 right. weeks. <laughs> and what can they do? Nothing. There's nothing they can do. They'll hold it for 12 weeks because you're not there. No, um, it is disruptive, right? To have, to have our rock star doctor, have our, our manager go away. And that does, again, not bad. Everybody knows that, right? It's a wonderful thing, but let's be honest about the impact it has on the people who are left over. Like they're missing a rock star and they're, they may struggle with that. And so them being unprepared is the worst thing on their side. And that's the danger, uh, for, for for all of us. All right. For sure. So, so yeah, so I think the first thing is that there, there has to be a plan, right? Like when you and I were talking about this, (laughs) you were saying this is pregnancy is not a surprise. Like, I mean, the actual birth of the baby, once you get pregnant, like, you know, that there's going to be a baby at pregnancy can be a surprise. (laughs) It can be a surprise. Yes. Uh, but the actual but birth you know, of the child yes. should not be a surprise. <laughs> right. You're really like not paying is... attention if that one sneaks up on you. Uh. There is an end date. And so the reality is when you have someone who's in a leadership role like this manager who um, you know knows that they're going to go out on maternity leave, there has to be a plan. Now, in this case, um, this person gave us some information about what their plan was. And they, they really, truly did plan for this. Their team knew that it was happening. They were working on delegating things. Like they were, they were swimming along with it. (laughs) But it's amazing to me how how many times 
I have talked to other managers who are like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to go out on leave next week and I have no idea how I'm going to delegate all of this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's you have been thinking about this, you know, six months ago, three yeah. months ago. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and that's exactly the danger that we talk about. Right. And here's why it happens. Okay. Like again, for the most part, there's no bad guys in this situation, right? Everybody is doing their best. And what happens is exactly like the, the, the note that we got about, um, we're trying to hire and we've got these other things going on and they seem like higher priorities or just everybody's working as hard as they can to keep their head above water day to day to day to day. And so doing the extra work to lay down a plan and groundwork for when you're gone, it just didn't happen. We kept meaning to do it and we were going to do it, but the days are so packed just putting one foot in front of the other and getting the things done that we need to get done that planning for the future didn't happen. Right. So that's, that's how it happens. And from the outside, we all slap our head and go, you gotta be kidding me. But when you're in it, this is really easy. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens. Now we all know that it can be really hard to get change to happen in a vet clinic. Right. I think a lot of people wrestle with that. You know, you have this great idea and everybody's on board and it's still really, really hard to make that change happen in your practice. I think with maternity stuff is about the easiest that it gets. That doesn't mean it's easy, but that means it's a lot easier than driving other change in your practice. And the, the reason is because of that external deadline, right? So if I said, um, Hey guys, we are uh, going to get fear free certified as a practice. Everybody goes, yay. At that point, it's really internally driven about like, okay, uh, are we like, let's start signing up for things. Let's get everybody trained. You know what I mean? And if we don't do it this week, it's not a big deal. We'll just do it next week. Super easy to stretch this process out and never actually get to the completion, right? Because we just keep kind of slowly making our way. Mm -hmm. Maternity is different because there's an external deadline. Like that baby is coming and right. we don't exactly even know when, like in this case, it, it, the baby comes early. But there is something that's going to happen, which means this change in your practice is going to happen. And I found that that can be very helpful in getting people to actually lift their heads from their work and say, oh, you're right. We need to deal with this. And so that external deadline um, is a big helper. And I think, I think that people who are going out need to use that and just be clear and say, this is going to happen. And it's not going to be pushed back. It is going to happen when it happens. And if we're not ready, it is still going to happen. And yeah. that can be a motivator that can be really helpful in getting ready. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, and it, because it's, it's something that the team as a whole can like see and touch in a way, you know, because it, it is like it, it is something right in front of them. You're, you're, your stomach gets bigger. They see that it's coming. Like there, it, there is something tangible about it being right in front of them every day. And so, um, like in your example, you know, if you're doing something like fear free as a project, it's not, it's not right in front of you. It can be, you can, you can put mm -hmm. it right in front of the team visually, but generally it's not right in front of you the way that it is when you, when you're standing in front of your team and your body is getting more and more pregnant every day. So there's a big, just, I think, mental difference for the team as a whole when they see it in front of them every day. Totally. I think, um, I think talking about maternity can be challenging for people. I, I mean, people who are going out on maternity. I, I think that there's, um, I, I think everybody has kind of different feelings and thoughts and some of us are very private people. And, you know, and I think others are, are sort of worried about trying to, I, I don't know, control perception. And I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that. I think everybody's probably a little bit different. And w what I would say is, you know, I understand people maybe not wanting to, to talk about going out on maternity, especially early on, because I don't know, I think there's a lot of different reasons that people don't do that. I would still advocate for just being matter of fact about um, due date and uh, sort of expected dates and because you just want to get it on the calendar clear, clearly and, and early as possible. And that way, if the clinic 
as you come down to the end, the clinic goes, well, why didn't you, uh, I wish we were better prepared. You can say, I told you six months Mm -hmm. ago, I told you, or five months ago, I told you. Yeah. And you didn't want to do anything until later on. You know what I mean? And like, but you have gone on record and clearly said, this is, this is the timeline and, and giving them something to work to. And I think that that's super smart. And I think where we shoot ourselves in the foot a lot is, is, um, because we are very perfectionist driven, we are very perfectionist driven field. So many of us, myself included, I know when I was pregnant with, um, my kids, I looked at the the calendar and I thought, you know, your pregnancy is 40 weeks. So let me make this calendar right up until the day I deliver because I'm going to work until the day I deliver. And the reality is life happens. And so I feel like we do ourselves a disservice um, by thinking about it in that perspective. And I think we, we need to shift things, whether it's, um, you know, you're going out on maternity leave as a dad, you're going to be taking paternity leave. When we look at it from the perspective of, here is my due date. I'm going to run this calendar right up to my due date. We're really just shooting ourselves in the foot. And I think we need to do a better job of saying, Hey, let's plan to 36 weeks. And then everything I get after that is icing on the cake, right? Like if I have a few extra weeks, I can find things to fill that time. Like, don't, don't kid yourself. You guys, the reality is crap comes up every single day in the vet hospital. You will find a way to keep yourself busy for those last four weeks. But do do the smart thing and plan um, earlier into the calendar and have that, you know, that D-Day just in the back of everyone's head be further out in the calendar because you never know what's what's going to happen. You know, yeah, I agree with that. I agree to planning to earlier because you just do not know. You're not going to know how you feel. You may end up on bed rest. Like who who knows what's going to happen? So. Don't plan it to 40 weeks, plan it to 36 weeks. I think that's, that's, that's great. The other thing that I would say is we need to get our head straight and prioritize the things that we are delegating. So the things that are mission critical, like the hospital will burst into flame if these things don't get done, those things get delegated first, right? right? So we can't, we can't flip a switch in one day and be like, here's everything for me to be gone. There's some training, there's some orientation, there's some walking people through some things. All that stuff needs to happen. Start with the most mission critical things first. And on the last day, you can be like, here are the Q-tips, you know, like just so you know where they are. (laughs) Like that's, that's the last thing that we show them, right? The first thing that we showed them of here's where, here's how we do ordering, uh, you know, like those things get done earlier on. Right. Right. So yeah, when when I when I read this, the first question that popped into my head was who who did the job before you? Because if it was a practice owner in particular, um, or if there was someone else on the team who did the ordering or did the major mission critical features, like someone had to do the hiring before you came on board as a manager. So even if the practice owner wasn't the person to have done that, like there needs to be a person who could handle that because the reality is life happens when you're gone. And so maybe it doesn't happen before you go on maternity leave, but the reality is shit changes every day in the practice and someone's going to, you know, someone else is going to go out on leave or someone's going to have to move or someone's going to have to give notice or go back to school or whatever. And the reality is we, we a lot of times don't think about, that HR piece of it, because there's a reason why practice owners hire managers because they don't want to deal with that stuff. So we don't want to think about it, but the reality is that is one of those mission critical pieces that there should be someone else in your practice who is capable of doing the bare bones basics. They might not do it the way you do it. They might not even do it the way it's supposed to be done, but they should be capable of handling the basics. Yes, exactly. There's also the reality of delegation, and then we'll start to get into action steps here. But the reality of delegation, I call it the delegation surge um, or passing a snowball, depending on how on how I talk about it. But um, here's the idea, right? Let's say that you are working real hard 
And then someone new gets hired and you say, I'm going to delegate this task that I do to that person in the vet clinic. And I think mentally, if we picture our work effort as like a graph and it's just a line that's uh, up high and it's kind of running along and that's how hard we work day after day after day, we imagine we're going to delegate and that line will make a downward uh, shift. You know what I mean? Like the work level that we have will drop off because I just handed something away and now my life got easier and my workload came down. And that is not how this works. Not at all. What happens is you're working and you're working and you're working and the new person gets hired and you're like, I'm going to delegate. And then your workload goes up because you're working and you're training a new person who doesn't know what they're doing and doesn't have any of the background information or things like that. And so delegating does not make your life easier in the short term. It makes it harder. And so people don't plan for that. And what happens is they wait too long. They wait until they're really overwhelmed and they're like, I can't possibly do one more thing. I'm so overwhelmed. I need to delegate. And the truth is you waited too long and it is going to be a horrible experience for you to work as hard as you're working now and take on training so that you can give this away. Now, if and when you get through it, the workload will drop down and you'll be super glad that you did. But most people wait too long to delegate because they don't remember or they don't think about that huge upfront effort to get someone trained. And that happens in maternity stuff a lot where people are like, you know what, I'm going out and I'm going to get these people trained. Part of the reason that we need to start early on this is because it's extra work for you. So now you're keeping the practice going and you're training people. And so I, I think that that's why it gets put off and put off and put off. And then it's like, oh, I'm going out next week and these other people are going to take over. So just remember that. The other thing I, I always say, passing a snowball. When you train someone to do something, like imagine that it's a snowball in your hand, right? So this is the thing I'm going to hand to you, Stephanie Goss. But the truth is you don't know a lot of the backstory. You haven't done this before. You don't have the experience. You might not know how this part of the practice management software works. You might not know the people who are involved. You might not know where to get support information if you need it. You just don't know all the little things that are supportive of this snowball in my hand. So I say, if I'm going to pass you the snowball, Stephanie, I'm going to roll it to you. And the reason I roll it to you is because it picks up snow. So when Stephanie picks up the snowball, it is significantly bigger than when I held it in my hand. And if you can think about that as delegation, you go, oh, I'm giving her a bigger snowball than how it feels to me. And it's bigger because it's new to her and she doesn't know all these things. So don't think you can just be like, oh, here you go, Steph, and I'm going to hand it to her and she's going to take it just as I had it and run with it. She's not. You're giving her something that's gotten bigger since it left your hands and went to hers. And that's another reason that that training is so important. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that um, the mental image that goes along with that for me because it it's hard to to wrap your brain around that because we want to think we're doing this to make our lives easier and we are, but in the short term it definitely gets significantly bigger and heavier and you know when you pass off that snowball to someone else you want to think okay I'm 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 done and and my life is getting easier that's why you're passing off the snowball. But when you stand there and you look at them and they're holding this significantly bigger snowball, it's easier to um, empathize with the overwhelm that they feel when you you pass it off to them. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can see it. uh, I see it in doctors all the time. And, you know, no one's bigger advocate of leveraging your technicians than I am. But there's still a reality when I if I turn to a technician, I could say, why don't you go in there and have this conversation with this pet owner? And the truth is. That's a much bigger deal for that person than it is for me. So let, I, I know, I'm just trying to make up an example of, on the fly. It's like, hey, um, go go talk to her about uh, managing her diabetic cat. And, right. and most of my techs can absolutely do that. But let's say that there was one that was uncomfortable. Well, what if she has a lot of questions? You know, you can't just right. know the diabetes part. You have to also be able right. to take all the questions that might come back from that and things like that. And uh, so me walking in and doing it is much easier than me having my technician walk in and do it. But the long game is I don't want to do it. I want my technicians to do it. That just means that I am going to have to invest that education and training time or, or they're going to get it in, in tech school. But someone has to invest that training time 
to get them up to the point where they can do that conversation. It's not as simple as I could walk in there and have this conversation in five minutes. I'm telling you to walk in there and have this conversation in five minutes. That it doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. I'm passing them a snowball that gets a lot bigger until they get that training. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. So we know that we have to have a plan. Yes. We've got to have a plan. We know that delegation takes time and energy, which is why we got to uh, start early. We know that we've got to set clear expectations for our team and say, guys, this is the date that I'm working to, but know that, um, and I might even, I might even kind of lean into this a little bit and be like, my family tends to have children a bit early. And so that's just a thing that happens, you know, something to set clear expectations. Cause as soon as you give them a date, they will, especially the guys, they, we write that date on the calendar right. like it's a, you know, like, yeah. like it's so, a, so. I don't know, like it's a phone call appointment. Like, well, why would, like the baby's, like the baby is looking at his planner like, oh, two weeks until I show up. Uh, just going to keep yeah. w- watching my Palm Pilot. Like, no, <laughs> that is a guesstimate of when this is going to happen. And everybody wants to imagine it's that date or later. And nobody wants to remember that it could be that date or earlier and so just right. set the expectation as best you can. This is this is the date that was given. I'm looking at a two-week window around here and maybe even outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's I think that's super smart. And then I think um I think that um the other thing and that has to be a part of the plan, and this kind of goes into how do you how do you survive this? Um, for me, one of the things that I think as a as a manager that you have to think about, whether it's maternity leave or any kind of leave, if you're going to be gone, not only who is in charge of what and and delegating all of the things, but also having a clear plan that you've communicated to your team in terms of how do you want to be contacted? Because as an employee, it is it is absolutely your right to say. I am going on a maternity leave and I am not going to work at all. I don't want to hear from you. If the building's burning down at what am I going to be able to do about it with a new baby at home? Right. Like it is okay to say, don't call me. But if you want to be contacted, you need to think long and hard about that and set up very clear boundaries and expectations. Because if you tell your team that they can call you anytime and then you don't answer the phone because you're finally sleeping for the first time in three days, and then they lose their minds because you're not actually answering the phone, there's going to be frustration and upset on all sides. And I think you have to think ahead about how do you try and avoid that. Right. So there are, you know, FMLA rules about employers contacting you and things like that. Um, right. And so, so all of that is real. I still think from a relationship standpoint, it really does go back to managing expectations you know, yeah. of do they expect you to answer the phone? You know, do they right. expect you to not answer the phone? My advice. So I think there's two things that we need to start thinking about early on. And let me let me just put a, a nice bow on this because we talk about uh, wellness stuff a lot. You know, life balance happens three months in the past. Right. Life balance happens three months in the past, which means the choices that we make now are the ones that will determine if in three months from now we are chill and where we want to be, or if we're overwhelmed, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. stuff that we say we will do now, super easy to say to now, cause it's not actually happening, but sure. we reap what we sow in the future. And so being very smart about the expectations that you set and your availability and what it's going to be and how you want to be included, setting those expectations early on can be really liberating or it can be really damning. Because you told everybody you're going to be available, and I don't know why you did that, and I'm gonna, I want you to not do that. But um, but if right. that's what you told them, you set those expectations, regardless of what FMLA says or the law says, you may face resentment for that decision, and I don't want that. You know, okay. so yeah, strategic decisions to make. Number one, what is your availability going to be, and how do you articulate that? And if your availability is, guys, I am going to be gone. Like, I am not going to be available. That's fine. Say it and own it and just say, mm-hmm. guys, five months from now, I am not going to be available. Like, I am not going to be here. And that sets clear expectations. Like, oh, crap, we better get ready. 
because mm-hmm. Stephanie or Dr. Anderson are not going to be ready or they're not going to be available, not going to be here. And so we need to be 100% self-sufficient when they go, right? right? So number one, strategically is set those expectations of your availability or your uh, will, uh, willingness or ability to support them. And I wouldn't talk about willingness. I would talk about ability. I'm just, I'm not going to be able to be here, right? And don't, mm-hmm. don't explain it. Mm-hmm. Don't over-talk it. Um, if you're worried about this conversation, go back and check out um, the podcast that Steph and I did uh, last year. It's called uh, My Boss Eye Rolls So Hard at Life Balance. And yeah. I, I like I like that podcast a lot, but um, but that will be helpful in this conversation. Set clear expectations about your availability. And then number two is figure out what you need to delegate to people. Because here's the thing. They don't know all the things that you do. And they don't know all the things that you know. So they don't even know to ask you about how to do these things because they don't know that those things are a thing that even happens or that they exist, right? You're the only one who knows all the things that you do. And so you're the only one who can say, guys, this is what you need to know before I leave. And so it is on the person leaving to help come up with the plan for Here's the things you need to know. Here's how I can support you. You know what I mean? And that takes some time to get our heads around. And so my advice is um, make a list. Start, you just keep a, you keep a piece of notebook paper, keep a notebook pad in your office. And I want you just at the very beginning, just start writing down all the things that you do that someone else would need to do. And just keep going. And it will be like, you will be steadily surprised for three or four days. You're like, oh, yeah. On Thursdays, I do this thing. Oh, yeah, that person needs to get contacted on this regular basis. And oh, yeah, we've got to check the oxygen tanks. And oh, yeah, we've got to make sure the blood work is getting sorted and handed out. Like just And you will just keep coming up with these little things. And a lot of them are really easy to give to someone else. You just have to tell them, hey, this needs to happen. Or else what will happen is it won't happen, and then there'll be an explosion and they'll either have to, they, and they'll, they can sort it out, but it could have been a lot easier if you just said, here's all the things that you guys need to have covered when I'm gone and generate that yeah. list. And that, that helps you to prioritize what gets, uh, needs to get trained. Like we talked about at the very beginning, what are the most mission critical things you can prioritize that helps you split things up, spread jobs out across the whole team. So you're not saying, Hey, Beth, you're going to do your job. And in addition, you're going to do my job for 12 weeks. You know, like, hey, Beth, here's two things I need you to do. And David, here's two things I need you to do. And Michael, here's three things that I'm going to need you to do. And Kelly, here's three things that I need you to do. And you're able to disperse these things across the team. But if you don't have that list to work from, it is real hard to figure out how to do this delegation and do it in an organized way. And look, the reality is a lot of practices, uh, I would even venture to say probably the majority of practices, don't like the manager position is one of those positions that generally does not have a job description. And it's, it's a place <laughs> where we suck as an industry, but like, that's generally one of those jobs, kind of like the owner um, practice owner that doesn't have a job description. And so this is, this is where you start. You work backwards from here and at the very beginning, set aside some time and really truly give yourself the time to do that exercise like you were just talking about and write down what you're doing over the course of the day, but sit down and kind of organize that list. And, and the, the danger zone for, for me that I fell into um, when I was pregnant with um, my own kids was thinking that not only about your job that you're doing, but there's this danger for, especially for us um, who are perfectionist types and want to do all of the things and be all the things for all people. There's this danger to think, okay, well, here's all of this stuff that I do on a regular basis. And there's all of these things that I've been meaning to get to. And I really should get them done before I go out on leave because there's this guilt factor. And so we try and shove 30 pounds of crap into a five pound bag. And Mm -hmm. then we are surprised when it explodes. And so the reality is you have to stop and say, what am I, what am I actually already doing and let go of the stuff that you haven't done yet, because you're not going to be able to get to it all. And I, I would say that it's generally far more important that people on your team know how to do the things that you're already doing. than you 
take the time to train someone to do something that you're not even doing yet. Um, that's where you really, really run in, into trouble. And so I think you have to start at that end and make the job description and be, be thorough and take the time to really sit down. And the good news is it's a pain in the ass when you have to sit down and do it. But the reality is the whole practice is going to be- benefit from that in the long run for taking that time. And I know for me, it was like, I don't have time to do that. I only have, you know, I only have 36 weeks to get all of this stuff done. If you don't take the time to do it, you're gonna be frustrated. The stuff is going to come up. Your team is going to be resentful. And even if you do take the time to do it, you may, you may experience those things, but you have, you have given yourself as much possible, um, space and grace to screw it up um, when you think about it ahead of time than if you don't think about it. And at the end, you're like, oh, crap, how do I now? How do I delegate all of this stuff? Exactly. Yeah. So I think one of the big mistakes that people make is they have this idea that I'm going to work right up until the end and then I'm going to walk out and the delegation flip will be switched You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, everyone will pick up the things that they have been trained to do and continue working. I I I don't I don't think you can think about it that way. I you know if you know that you're going out on maternity or paternity or whatever, um, you um, what you do is you you figure out what you have to delegate. You make that job description just like we talked about. What what are the things that I do? And then you start delegating early, and go ahead and give them that job. And you go, but why wouldn't I just train them on what to do and then I will keep doing it until I leave? It's because you have a new job and that is training. And so if there are small things, easy things to delegate and take off your plate, go ahead and do that and have the team go ahead and start doing the job while you're there to answer questions, to support them, to put out fires. Go ahead and get them going on the stuff they're going to do when you're not there early. I think it's the biggest mistake that people make is, I'll train them and then I'll hand it to them when I leave. It's like, no, delegate now and then support them. And, but people go, but Andy, then I'm going to have these, uh, all this free time. No, you're not because you're training people on the next wave of things and the next wave of things. And that's another thing to remember is when you start to delegate, because you've made your job description, you're giving away, you are not going to train everybody at once. And that's why I said, prioritize mission right. critical is wave one. Train people to do these three things or four things and then give it to them and then fall back and train the next people to do these four more things and then fall back. And and by the end, what's going to be happen is you're going to be just supporting those people and dotting I's and crossing T's and really trying to wrap everything up into a nice bow for you to leave and be gone. And the other thing yeah. is, as you get closer to the big day, you have a lot of other things going on in your life, you know, and not having to do everything that you've done in the past plus train, you're going to want that to be the case. But that only happens if you start working up front and delegating and getting things off of your plate so that people are learning while you're still there so you can answer questions. Yeah, that's that's super smart. I did not do that when I... <laughs> It, when I had my kids, <laughs> it's a it's it's a it's a mind flip, right? It really is this it mind totally flip is. of like, uh, you know, like we're just like, I'm going to work up until I leave for maternity, and like I understand that that's the simplest way to think about it. Really thinking of it as this uh, period when I know that maternity is coming, or or we think that maternity is coming, um, this is a transition period, and I yeah. am transitioning out of the practice for a certain amount of time. That's the healthiest, most productive way to think of it. I have a transition period. And not using that transition period to transition, I think, is a mistake that a lot of people make. And I understand why it happens because we're all busy. But I really do think that this is probably the difference between having a stressful departure and um, and having a, a less stressful departure. Mm-hmm. And and one thing, too, that, that you know, I I – want to speak from, from my own experiences. We all, we all want to think about, um, you know, maternity leave being this wonderful, amazing time. And, and it is, and for some of us too, it brings all new stresses and challenges when things are hard health wise 
um, for you as a mom. Um, if you have problems, if the baby gets sick, um, there's so many things. And one of the things that really crept up on me was the emotional component of it. And I thought I can, you know, I've already had a kid. I can handle this. No problem with my second kid. And I worked right up until the day that I delivered. And then I got hit with really serious postpartum, um, actually postpartum rage and postpartum depression. And I was not prepared for that. And so my plan with my team had been, it's cool, you guys, like I can handle it here. You guys have the basics covered. Call me if you need anything. I can juggle a kid and going back to work. And the reality was I couldn't. And my poor team was left having to try and figure it out because my plan was I've done this before. I can handle this. And then I couldn't. And so I think we have to be really honest with ourselves and acknowledge the fact that if things go 100% perfectly, that is wonderful, but life doesn't always work that way. And so I think we have to be honest with ourselves about what we can handle and plan to handle far less than we think we can. Yeah, I, I think that that's really true. We just don't know what's going to happen. And, and things like that, postpartum uh, depression, postpartum rage, things, that, that's, that's quite common. I think a lot of people really wrestle with it. And, and you, just, you just don't know. And so plan to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us make plans just in our career. And we, we naturally assume the best and that we're going to be our best. And that, you know, we, in our minds, we imagine ourselves being our well-rested, clear-thinking selves. And and then yeah. when we come to whatever that that point is in our life, we're, that's just not us. And you go, crap! I wish yeah. I had been kinder to myself. And that's, I yeah, guess, that's really sure. the point that I want to sort of make is like, be plan to be kind to yourself. And you can always surprise people by being more involved than they thought you would be. Like that's sure. that's wonderful, and you, yeah. that you look amazing, and and they're blown away. They're not going to turn your help away. Maybe they will. I would. I like, I like to be like, nope, you, you're not, you're not working now. You go, go and enjoy yeah. this. Um, but, but that's a yeah. luxury that, you know, that some of us have. So anyway, yeah. um, I think, I think yeah. the point of be, you don't exactly know, and none of us know, be kind to yourself. Just set yourself up for the easiest path possible. And you can always take on more later on if you want to. So yeah. let's, let's talk about, uh, tips for uh for making it and making it great when when the day actually comes so we've talked a lot about laying the groundwork we've talked a lot about trying to get so we can have an easy transition out tips for when maternity uh actual paternity actually comes and you're in it so the time for uh the time for planning has passed and now we have the baby and yeah. what, what is what does that look like? Are, are there pearls of wisdom that, uh, that you have to share there? Yeah, well, and I think, I think in this specific example, the, um, the manager was like, look, now we've unexpectedly lost staff and I'm the one who hires. And so what do I, what do I do? And I actually asked the question of this person, you know, who did the job before you? And in this case, it was that they didn't have a manager before her. And so, um, the, the practice owner was like, I have no idea how hiring happens. Like HR is a mystery to me. That doesn't mean that the answer lies with you. The reality is you can pay people to do almost any facet of your job. And the HR piece of it is one of it. The legal piece of it is another, like you guys, we, we, I know I'm guilty of this, um, martyr kind of complex that I'm the only one who can solve this problem. The reality is, is that it may cost money, but you can actually get professionals who can help with those things. And so don't feel like the answer has to be, you're the only person who can solve this. Sometimes the answer is, I don't know. And let me literally let me Google you a phone number and give you a place to start. And then it is okay to say, I can't do any more than that. And let your team take over because the reality is they're going to flounder. And sometimes you have to let them. You can throw them a life preserver. You can throw them a little bit of a buoy. But, like, they they, ha they have to get in there and they have to figure it out at some point. Yeah. No, um, no, I, I agree. I mean, again, it's, it's, set, it's setting boundaries and, 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 and letting, them, letting them flounder a little bit. There's, uh, there's sort of two different things that come into my mind. So as far as letting them flounder a little bit, one of the things that helps me is there's a, there's an old quote about, um, and I'll butcher it, but essentially 
the cemeteries of London are full of indispensable people. And the idea being there have been indispensable people that we cannot go forward without throughout time. And they're all gone now, you know, yet somehow we soldier on, you know? And so no matter how indispensable you think you are, you're not. And at some point you are going to leave. Like you may leave. Right. If you, if you pass away at your desk, you're still leaving. Uh, like, right. and, and guess what? Everything will go on. The people around you will go on. And so I think when I start to feel like I can't, I can't be gone or I can't leave this is like, you know what? The world has this incredible habit of continuing to turn. And so remember that and forgive yourself is like, you know what? Yeah. There are fires, they will get put out. <laughs> One way right. or another, all bleeding right. stops, you know, <laughs> like, but it, yeah. it will be fine. It will, it will stop. So remember the cemeteries of London are full of indispensable people. You can, you can be away and the world will continue to turn. And the other thing that I, that helps me think about these things is like, so with the hiring of things, I think about tides like ocean tides with our businesses right? And there are times when we expand, right? When we push and we do new things and we try new things and we train and we grow and then it pulls back. And there's times when we get small and we hunker down. And in my experience, guys, that's the cycle of business is nobody grows and grows and expands and expands all the time. It really is uh, the tides. You have high tide and low tide. And this is going to be low tide where it's like, hey, one of our powerhouses, our central, our manager, is not here for a quarter, you know? So so the goal might not be that we're going to be able to expand our business very much. The goal might be let's figure out how to get small and hunker down so that people don't burn out while the manager is gone. And we'll continue to service our clients and service them well. But this may not be the time for us to do new staff training and really push and try new protocols or, I mean, even really hire. We may just have to say, guys, look around. Can we go with the staff that we have? Um, You know, or can we do one hire that the practice owner will take the lead on? And that will be enough to get us through until our rock. Yeah, for sure. That makes total sense. I think, I think the other, the, the biggest tips that I could, could give are, um, besides, besides what we already talked about in terms of making a job description, the other thing that is super helpful is to make yourself, I, I have a, um, what I call the, if I get hit by a bus finder. And so I've put together this, um, like, you know, info, uh, a chunk of info that is, if I'm not here tomorrow, what do you need to know to keep the practice running? And so things that are included in there is who, who, who are all the points of contact? And this is where I mean, move beyond, you know, how do they get into your Henry Shine account? Um, you know, and, and, and that kind of basic information. But, you know, if someone clogs the toilet, who's your plumber? Who's your electrician? Who do you call for the catastrophic things that you're usually in charge of dealing with? Make a list of all of those people and how to contact them. Um, a list of all of the passwords is really important. Mm-hmm. So how do they get into all of the things? Um, the the uh, basic processes for, um, you know, how does money happen? Like, you know, do you have a business credit card and you normally use your credit cards to make all of the purchases? Well, how are they going to, you know, buy toilet paper on Amazon if you're not there? Making sure that they know how those things that just magically appear in your practice, how do they appear? And making yourself a list. And maybe you're not going to give full access to all of those things to everyone. But somebody in your practice needs to know that information. Your practice owner should always know it. But somebody else in your practice should should know it as well. Um, and then uh, besides the, the passwords and, and who to contact, spend some time making yourself um, a triage list. And what I mean by that is we're really good at if a client calls and says, you know, um, my cat gums seem blue. We know what to say to a client from a manager, make a list of those things that are 
common and uncommon questions that you get asked and try and think about what your very basic solution, like I said, if you got hit by a bus or if you magically have a baby up here tomorrow, what, what do they, what do they need to know to solve those things? Um, and, and make just a triage sheet and say, you know, if this happens, then you do X, Y, and Z. Um, and that, that takes some time. And I think the biggest thing is we, I know for me, I felt really guilty in the time leading up to going out on maternity leave, taking time to do those things, because I thought there's all of these things that need to get done. And if I spend time in my office at my desk, just sitting and thinking, everyone's going to get mad at me because they're going to think I'm not working. But the reality is that's some of the most important work that you can do before you go out on the leave. And you can't let yourself feel guilty about doing it. Take the time, write it all down, make a list. It won't be complete. There will be stuff that comes up. And so write those things down while you're gone. Have a place where your team can make a a post-it note central where they just leave you post-its about all of the crap that's come up that they don't know how to answer so that when you do come back, you can figure out a plan for the next time you go out for some reason. Yeah. The the last thing I want to put on the table is for when we're out uh, and people sort of reach out and uh, and are looking for help, you know, or when you're off and, and the clinic is contacting you and just something to think about. So I like to talk about and think about the Cartman drama triangle. So Cartman drama triangle. This is the hero, villain, victim triangle, right? So when we think about conflicts and we think about problems in the practice, we generally have a, uh, we have a villain. We have someone who is doing something right. they shouldn't have, or they lost a thing, or they're causing a problem. There's the victim, who is the person who is being damaged by this, or they're being cheated, or they're being not treated well, or they're being hurt or offended. And there's a hero, and that's the person who comes in and corrects the problem. I think right. for a lot of our doctors and a lot of our managers, we uh, build a construct in our mind and among our team that we are the hero. And so victims come to us all day long talking about villains and expecting us to be the hero. One of the real tricks in management is to push back against that and to make your team their own heroes. So if you're the hero that always gets called in to fix the problems and intervene between the victim and the villain, it's going to be real hard for you to go out because you're the hero and I need you to intervene on my behalf. The best thing you can do, and this is just general management, is work against that position. You don't want to be the hero. Make the victim be their own hero as much as you can so that when you're away, victims are used to being heroes and they engage in productive grown-up conversations on their own and they work out their own problems. And that way you're not getting pulled into the drama triangle when you have other things going on in your life. I love it. So I was struck as we did this by how much we talked about this. It's just great management practice. Even if you're not going out on maternity, delegating, growing people, making time for training, trying to work yourself out of a job, because you never will. Trying to work yourself out of a job is just great strategy prioritizing what you do, thinking about what you do, being systematic about it. That stuff is all just basic, good manager uh, technique. And so again, like I love this, we should all be working towards these goals of delegating more, grow, giving more responsibility to our people, things like that. A lot of times something like maternity leave or paternity leave, uh, it creates a deadline to help us make those structural support systems that we should honestly have anyway. So, yeah. good stuff. Love it. Thanks a lot, Steph. I do appreciate it. Yeah. I hope you guys all have a great week. Yeah, take care, everybody. We'll see you later on. Hey guys. And that is our episode. Gang, I hope you had a good time. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed along the way. I hope that you will say, gosh, I love these podcasts. I should be in the Uncharted community. You totally should. It is a super positive, supportive, wonderful place. Like I said, the uh, April conference is going to be live streamed in there from the main stage, and you'll be seeing the workshops and stuff drop in there. It is a super vibrant, fun, awesome place that is inspiring and where you can learn a lot, a lot of things to help your business grow. 
Also, if you have a question that Stephanie and I could help you with, please let us know. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Give us enough information so that we can wade in and get into the details and really make a difference and know what we're talking about. And uh, if you have an alias, just include that as well and we will use it. So anyway, gang, let's do a great job with our patients. Let's be the people that they need. Let's be the vets and vet techs and practice managers and office managers and front desk people that our patients deserve. Talk to you next week. Bye.